Hi everyone, it's uh, Stavros Yanuka welcoming you back to Wise Words. In our last episode, we discussed with Emily McHugh the ways in which younger children can be made aware of entrepreneurship as a viable career option. Uh, in this episode, we shift our focus to developments in education in Latin America with Rebecca Greenspan. Rebecca Greenspan is a Costa Rican economist uh, and was formerly the Ibero-American Secretary General. She was also a United Nations Undersecretary General and the Associate Administrator of the United Nations Development Program, UNDP, uh, positions to which she was appointed by then UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon. Before that, from 1994 to 1998, she was the Vice President of her native Costa Rica and previously served as director of the United Nations Development Programs, Regional Bureau for Latin America and the Caribbean, a position to which she was appointed by then UN Secretary General Kofi Annan in 2005. Uh, Rebecca has been widely recognized as a leading intellectual uh, in Latin America, and we, uh, we had a wide-ranging discussion on, uh, on the topic of, of education in that continent. The episode was recorded at the World Strategic Forum in, in Miami. Uh, and with that, I bring you Rebecca Greenspan. Rebecca Greenspan, welcome to Wise Words. Thank you so much, Stavros. Um, Rebecca, you've been uh, a, a policymaker for uh, a large part of your, your career. You were uh, vice president of, of your native uh, Costa Rica, and, and you now head up uh, Association of Ibero-American uh, States, which is uh, sort of the, the Spanish-speaking Commonwealth, if I could. Spanish and Portuguese. Spanish and, forgive me, and Portuguese Commonwealth, if I can describe it as such. Um, share with us, if, if, uh, if that's okay, your, uh, your personal experience of, of, of education as a, as a, both as an individual, but also as, as a policymaker. First of all, let me say that the I am a very committed person to education, and probably because of my personal experience within my family and in government. First of all, my family is a family of immigrants, and they betted everything on education. We were three girls, no men, <laughs> no brothers, and still we made our way through education in life. Uh, they invested uh, and encouraged us to really continue education, to, to see in education the tool for our life, for our future, and it was so. They were not mistaken. They were right. Yeah. So our social mobility, our capacity to be independent, to make it for us and for our families, comes from the fact that we went through education in Costa Rica and that we had that opportunity. So two things first, as a message. One, you need a family committed to education. We need you know, parents to be committed to education of their kids. But we need also the social opportunities that public policy is able to give. If not, you know, society won't be able to harness the talent of so many people that will not be able to make it because of socioeconomic barriers. 
No, that's 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 very true, and and we don't often, I think, uh, when we discuss uh, education, we tend to focus a lot on on schools. We tend to focus a lot on the uh, on the shall we say formal infrastructure that supports education. We don't talk, I think, enough about the family commitment and why it's important to bring the family along. Uh, and, and yes, you, you, you have examples like yours of, of immigrant families that, that, that intuitively understand the value of this. Um, but oftentimes it's, it, it's not the case that families uh, will, will support or will appreciate the value of education. Have, have you come across uh, situations like that? And, and, and if so, what, what have been some of the approaches that you've seen that, that, that work in terms of engaging families, engaging communities with yeah, education? Absolutely. There are families that they, they are very poor, they need the labor of their kids, they don't see the value of a woman going to education. And we have seen that all across Latin America. And we have fought to change those perceptions and those values. And uh, Latin America has been very successful. Uh, a fact is that they, more than half the university students today in Latin America are women. And that was not so long before. Mm -hmm. And uh, one, uh, I think that there are several things you can do. First of all, you have to put the schools close to the people because if they have to go far away for that, that will be a real obstacle. And you know a lot about that. Mm -hmm. Second, you have to improve the infrastructure. So there will be toilets for men and girls, and that won't be another obstacle for women to have access to education. Thirdly, uh, I think uh, uh, very, very, very strongly that you need to give an incentive many times. In Latin America, we have the conditional cash transfers, a, a public policies and programs that are very big, very large, that give an incentive to parents for kids to go to school yeah. and go to health uh, checkups. Mm -hmm. And so health and education become really the tool of these kids for the future. With those programs, we are not fighting poverty today. We are fighting poverty tomorrow yep. because we are really investment investing in the new generation. And those programs have been very successful. And in some of the countries, incentives for girls to go to school are higher than for men because still there are communities where the discrimination mm -hmm. against girl, girls persists. So you have a very clear example of things that can be done and that have been successful. Let me give only one Please. final comment. You have to put education in the center of society. It's not only a governmental issue. It has to be a societal issue because education is a long-term investment. And so society has to be committed. Not only governments have to be committed. Governments change every four years. Yeah. And if we start all over again every four years, nothing will happen. So I really think that it has to be a social contract for education yeah. in the countries to maintain the effort for several years. And I can tell you that that will change the economy yeah. and, uh, and, the, and the country. And Costa Rica is a good example of that. Yeah, please say, say, say more about Costa Rica because... 
again, Costa Rica is 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 interesting. It's, it's becoming better known, I think, around the world, because it's it's uh, it's a country that that is not particularly wealthy, mm-hmm. but but it seems to be scoring very high on 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 what one could describe the the human development indicators, mm-hmm. education, healthcare being one of them. What's the secret there? What is Costa Rica doing uh, differently that could offer uh, a blueprint or, or at least uh, uh, some uh, ideas for other countries that, that want to take a developmental path uh, in, in the same direction? Yeah. I, Costa Rica declared education free and compulsory for girls and boys in 1870. We were a very poor country then. We had no water inside our houses. We had no shoes, most of the population. And still, the leaders saw that they needed to invest in the new generations. And they took education as a central aspect of the strategy for the future. And I think that this is such a valuable you know, message. Mm. Because you don't invest in education when you are rich. You invest in education when you are poor. Precise to get to get out of poverty. So let's not fall into this false discussion of what is first. You know, economic development or education. Opportunities for employment or education. When Costa Rica declared education free and compulsory, we were coffee growers. And now we are a high human development country. And I think that that is the message that I will send. You have to do the right thing. You have to think in the future. You have to invest in people. And there is no other recipe for development. And... uh, uh, you know, I, I wrote uh, several years ago with some friends an article that was called When Human Develop- Development is Possible in a Poor Country. Costa Rica was mm. that case yeah. because we invested in our people, we invested in education. So, so perhaps skeptics will ask you, were there any trade-offs? And what, what, what did you... Because resources are finite, that's... I think that's a, what. What did you divert funds from, in order to put them into education, to put them into healthcare? Mm-hmm. It's a very good question. The joke uh, in Costa Rica is that they, when we declare education free and compulsory, the minister of education was also the minister of finance. <laughs> Convenient. So, <laughs> so it was yeah. an issue of priorities. I understand. I will tell you, for, for a long time, my country pro- probably suffered from poor infrastructure. Yeah. We invested more in education than in infrastructure. You didn't see in Costa Rica, like in other countries or, or, or cities, the big highways and the very sophisticated uh, yeah. uh, buildings. We didn't have that. We invested in education first. Mm-hmm. Now we can take advantage of that investment and get back to some neglected areas that we had in the past. I think 
that that sequence is better than the other one. Interesting. And, and also, I, I believe you, you, you don't have a military, is that correct? Oh, oh yes. How could I forget <laughs> to tell you? Yeah. yeah. We, 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 we didn't spend in defense yeah. because we abolished the military in 1948. And so all the resources that many societies devoted to the military, we devoted to health and education. Very interesting. And and it, it's from what I understand, you you haven't suffered from from that decision. Well, our strength was <clears throat> not to have an army, not the opposite. Many times when I go to speak to students, many of them ask me if uh, to do that is not in a way to be a free rider, because in a way we 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 think that the international system will protect us. Yeah. So I always tell them that they, I will prefer nobody to have an army, you know, because with that logic, there is no stop. And I always tell them that it's not enough to have an army. If you have an army that will always fail and lose, it's, it's not good to have it. <laughs> you know? When you have an army, you need an army that can win. Yeah. And that's why... The, the, the arms race never stops because at the end, you need to win to think that when you mm -hmm. will have a confrontation, yeah. you will win. Yeah. And so there is no end to it. So I would prefer an international system that will take care of all of us mm -hmm. and not every country having an army devoting resources yeah. that should go to people. It's perhaps for a separate discussion, but it's... It's a very interesting bet that, that your country took in terms of, of, of making. I, I'm not sure I know of many other countries that, that, have, that have taken that approach. There are few countries in the world that don't yeah. have an army and that have abolished the army lately. Yeah. Uh, the interesting case about Costa Rica is that uh, precisely this was after the revolution and the, the winning general abolished his own army. And that Probably I haven't heard of. Yeah, no, interesting. <laughs> very, very interesting. And uh, we, we we touched on this uh, about the you know developments in Latin America, when, particularly when it comes to to girls uh, girls education. The, the success I think that the region has had in attracting uh, uh, more uh, more people, more more women in particular into into the education system. What what do you see now as the priorities for? Uh, for, for the coming years, for, for not only Latin America, but more broadly the, uh, the, the global community? Well, I think that for one, on one part, we have to finish the job. There are still poor number of small groups that they, they have obstacles in their access to education, and we have to finish, you know, we have to cover 100% of the population in the region, and we are not still there. Especially, I would say, in secondary education, we have a high rate of dropouts and people that doesn't finish uh, secondary education, and that's really a hindrance, a hindrance to, to development and, and to their possibility of not falling into poverty. But I, probably the most important thing is to understand today that access and quality have to go hand by hand. Mm -hmm. We have poor quality education in Latin America. Uh, and 
uh, we don't compete with the Asian countries uh, in the same in, mm -hmm. in the same foot, uh, we need really to invest today in quality education. And I think preschooling, starting in preschooling is very important. We yeah. still have a, 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 a low coverage in preschooling for kids. Uh, but quality along the whole continuum of education, including higher education, is a must for Latin America. See, we are middle, what is called today middle income countries. Middle income, yeah. Uh, that is really a bad term <laughs> because it is based only in the GDP, not in mm -hmm. the challenges or inequalities that yeah. countries still still face. But uh, we, for sure, will not be able to compete in the international arena through low wages. We will need to compete uh, with the value-added knowledge products. Yeah. And if we don't improve the quality of education, we won't be able to make that transition. And that's exactly what some call the middle-income trap, because you are not able to diversify your economy and to make the jump mm -hmm. to the most yeah. sophisticated uh, and diversify economic structure. Yeah. And we won't be able to do that without really quality education, more investment in research and development, better higher education, not only at the university level, but also at the technical level. Those are the real challenges of, of, of the region. Yeah. And interestingly enough, I think the, the challenges that you're describing are, are, are actually, if, if they're not already global challenges, I think they will become very very soon they will become global challenges because in an era of you know increasing automation and and, and robotization with ever more sophisticated narrow artificial intelligence coming on stream trying to compete uh, on the basis of low cost is is going to be a dead end oh absolutely and and i think it's it's only a matter of time before more and more countries i think mm -hmm. are confronted with this so-called middle-income uh, trap. Yeah, I think that we should not be afraid of the uh, fourth industrial revolution mm -hmm. and, yeah. and the technology revolution. Uh, uh, we should not be afraid if we invest in those capacities that, are not, uh, that cannot be substituted mm -hmm. by robots or by yeah. any other means of technology. We need to invest that those are Capacities that you acquire through very good quality education. Yeah. It's not only a matter of knowledge, it's a matter of a abilities to understand, to develop, to create, to harness talent. Yeah. And I think that we have to change the whole mindset uh, by which we have been driven education in the past. Yeah. But this is possible to do because we have a much more educated population than we had before. Yeah. So I think that the uh, centering the attention of public policy and society in the right way, in the in the things we can do together, and you know, uh, overcoming the panic of mm -hmm. technology yeah. will be very important to be able to do that. Are you seeing examples of that happening anywhere, at least in in, in your region or? Or around the world? Well, you know, um, 
they, they are good examples of uh, uh, projects and, and programs that have been implemented. Uh, if you look at the PISA results uh, in, in the uh, reports of uh, OECD, yep. uh, it's uh, clear that Colombia and Portugal, for example, are two countries that have gone up mm -hmm. in, the, in, yeah. in, in the report and that have done better in terms of uh, understanding and proficiency of yeah. the students. Uh, and probably we should look what they have been doing mm -hmm. to, to do so. Costa Rica has not done so badly yeah. uh, also. Uh, I think that we have to look also for the good experiences in Asia yeah. because they have also good experiences. Yeah. I would like to do that uh, and to adapt that to the Latin way. Yeah. <laughs> we are not yeah. Asians, we are yeah. Latins. Uh, we need affection and we need <laughs> close ties, you yeah. know. <laughs> That's different from the Asian model. Yeah. But they have done man, ma many things well. Yeah. Second, I think that we have to go and talk to students at a very young age. Yeah. To women and men. You know, only one in ten women in the university are going for the STEM careers. So I think that we have to talk to them yeah. and say you are as capable to go to those careers as all your colleagues. Yeah. So do it. Try it. See if you like it. And usually the mental constraints mm -hmm. that you have acquired from yeah. society fall down very quickly if you do it at a young age. We have, we have to try things that are not so costly, but yeah. that... Uh, require a strategy around the issues that are the main issues of our time. Yeah. But I, I do want to just, because I, I spent quite a quite a, a large part of my career in Asia, so I want to correct the misapprehension that Asians lack passion or... <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> maybe, no, no that's this okay. was maybe a stereotype, <laughs> I, I am so sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Maybe not at the level of, of Latins, but, mm -hmm. but it's, it's there, there's a... You know, there, there's an underlying uh, emotive element, I think, in, in, in most uh, most humans. But but I think what what's what's interesting for me is is not so much the, the the question of who's kind of getting the education right, as as it is, how do you then translate some of that, some of the the, the, the benefits of education uh, into different models of economic uh, activity. That maybe don't require so the, you know, the the kind of the, the productivity imperative, or, you know, are, are there are there activities that we could move towards that are more human centric and therefore less likely to be automated? Um, and and I'm thinking of things like you know, uh, uh, even tourism. You know, the the whole experiential way of of of, of getting to know a place, getting to know a country, that's unlikely to be automated or substituted by, uh, by a purely machine-based uh, experience. I, absolutely. I, I, and, and I think that the studies that have gone deepened into uh, the industrial, this fourth industrial revolution it really show that they, it, it doesn't help a lot to say uh, if jobs will be substituted. You have to go for specific, um, 
how do you say tareas, uh, specific uh, occupations, or, maybe or uh, not occupations, but the. Uh, sorry, my Spanish is not great. No, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But to the yeah. specifics that of the jobs, yeah, you know, some parts of it will be okay, substituted. Okay, so, so uh, tasks. A task. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, the yeah. word. Uh, you have to go for specific tasks. Uh, there are some of them that can be substituted. Some of them that cannot. And you have to focus on those that cannot be substituted by machines or by uh, artificial intelligence. Most of them are transversal, yeah. not specialized necessarily, yeah. but transversal. Uh, that that is uh, for uh, one of the things that we we should do. No, and 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 again, it's 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 interesting to me that there's a tendency around the world to try and say emulate Silicon Valley. Everyone wants to have a a mini Silicon Valley in their uh, society, in their community, in their city. Mm -hmm. it, but it's, it's not always easy, obviously, to sort of replicate the the ecosystem, that, the, the full ecosystem, which goes beyond education. I mean, you're talking about sort of the entrepreneurial uh, appetite for risk, the legal system, the infrastructure around it, investments made by governments in the past, and, 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 and so on. But, you know, again... What's interesting to me is that that some countries, and again, maybe maybe Costa Rica is an interesting example of trying to take maybe a different path where you you try to leverage your own particular strengths, whether it's the natural beauty of your environment or or you know to to, to create maybe a different model of of, uh, of of economic activity. Well, I, I, I really believe that there are certain things that we, we have to do in general. One is, and you, you said so, uh, let me emphasize it, you have to create a culture for entrepreneurship. Yeah. And that means that uh, you try and fail, and failure is not being punished. Yeah. You know, in the U.S., you will put in your curriculum you know, whatever you have done, even yeah. if you fail. Yeah. Because they want to see that you have initiative. Yeah. You know, in Latin America still, you if you fail, you are a failure. <laughs> I think that's, that's in most of the world. I think yeah. the, the U.S. is still in many ways exceptional in this regard. Probably. Yeah. But but I think yeah. that the, we, we need to understand to change, yeah. that, the, you know, to create, to innovate, you, you have, is trial and error. And error, exactly. And you have to allow in the schools uh, and you know for creativity mm -hmm. yeah. and also in real life yeah. you know for trial and error my second point is that you have to go for um not only a competitive economy but a more collaborative economy yeah. and that is also a change of paradigm yeah you know collaboration will bring uh, in many sectors much more than competition yeah. And, but we are in markets that uh, uh, give incentives to competition and not to collaboration. And yeah. probably there is a space for public policy in creating ecosystems, precisely, yeah. Yeah. that has to do with creating incentives for a more collaborative economy that is the way to create ecosystems and not only one spring project. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I and I think that you refer to that, and that will be a, also a, a very important part. And and finally, you have to listen to young people. 
Yeah. You know, a lot of the new ideas will come from young people. So don't shut the door because they are very young. Yeah. They are the ones that will bring the new ideas. Open spaces for participation. Open yeah. spaces for new ideas. In our countries, we are very close to open the door and to listen to, to the young. I think that it's, it's time to change that. Yeah. I, I heard you uh, uh, yesterday evening a conversation that, that you had uh, uh, over, over dinner uh, talking about democracy in, in, in Latin America and the fact that you know, there's been this very sort of encouraging trend toward uh, democratic government. Uh, in, in Latin America, but there were still some challenges in terms of the disillusionment of, uh, of people. How, again, how important is education when it comes to, to issues like democratic governance, like citizenship in general? We, we tend to focus a lot, I find, on, on speaking about education in terms of, of the economy. Yeah, but we mental education. Yeah, yeah. But we forget this other very important dimension, mm -hmm. and in, not just in in Latin America. I would argue in this country, in Europe, we we tend to neglect the the important role that education can play in in uh, fostering good citizenship. I couldn't agree with you more. I think that it's very important to have that and to understand that the values that have to be socialized through education, should not be ideological. You know, it's, 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 it's not a training <laughs> yeah. in a certain way of thinking. Yeah. Uh, those are the values of being a good citizen to society, bringing yeah. value to the communities where you live, being tolerant and understanding that the world is living within the diversity of all us and our mm -hmm. identity a, should be able to be what we call inclusive identities yep. that can connect to the other in different ways, despite our differences. Yep. And I think that those are the core values that we have to a, really get together also in our educational system and, yep. and not be afraid of talking about real life and real relations yeah. with one another that is part of our education. And so important to be a good citizen. We have to reward people that behave with others and not mm -hmm. the other way around. We have yeah. to reward those that they comply with the law, not those that are uh, so... Find uh, a way around yeah, it. Yeah, find a, a way around it. And yeah. those are values that have to be very importantly taught in yeah. the educational system. And, and, and practice to a certain extent as well, because I think with, with practice comes yeah. internalization. And, yeah, it's true. But yeah. you know, also, also let, me, let me send a message for diversity, because also if you have very segmented societies where people that are the same are the ones that gather together <laughs> yeah. to go to education. Yeah. It's very difficult to really include the values we have talked about, you know, because you have no experience of them in real life. Yeah. I really believe in the importance of the diversity in school and where society can meet. We have yeah. very 
segmented societies. We live in different places. We go to different parts. We go to different commercial mm -hmm. centers. So I think that the school have to be the place where we encounter the others, the different. Yeah. You know, not only the ones that are the same as your kin. And that has to be a, uh, an objective of our educational system. And it's not an easy one. It's, it's not. And, and I think, you know, I, I mean, again, that's a, it, what you're describing is, is a global challenge. I don't, I don't think it's, it's well, it, I know it's not just germane to, to Latin America, but uh, it involves making some tough choices and persuading parents. parents that there's an intrinsic value yes. in this kind of socialization yeah. that goes you know, beyond the potential trade-offs, because I think we have to acknowledge that there may be trade-offs in terms of, of the kind of education. Yeah, that, because they think that, that the only yeah. the best go together with your kid to yeah. school uh, is the only way in which they yeah. will be successful. They won't lose time for others that don't learn so fast. Yeah. Let's put it that way. But let, let me say that the studies uh, that have been done in, uh, lately show uh, that diversity is much more important. Uh, they, uh, they, they made this uh, uh, exercise. Yeah. They put two teams together, two, two different teams, to do the same tasks. And one of them was uh, uh, conformed by those that were the first in their class. And the other team was more a team that was more diverse, mm. that they looked for complementarity yeah. between the abilities. And the question is, which will perform better? Yeah. <laughs> the ones that were the best, the more yeah. intelligent or smarter, in, according to certain indicators, yeah. Yeah. yes, and that were then more competitive, or the ones that were in a diverse group where they will complement each other. Yeah. And it was an open question. And by far, the team that performed better was the diverse one. Yeah. And I think that we have to start to get to terms yeah. with these facts that yeah. diversity <clears throat> brings complementarity. Yeah. And there is no one of us that is so rounded that will have all the abilities yeah. that you need to, yeah. to, to succeed. I guess it would depend on what you would. I, I think I've seen the study, and, mm -hmm. and, I, and I think for you know, for, for a given sort of task, especially where, where teamwork is required, I'm not surprised the diverse team mm -hmm. did better. Yeah. Because if, you know, if you have a group of alphas mm -hmm. trying to, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to collaborate, <laughs> guess what's going to happen? <laughs> right? yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, the, you know, better mix of, of, of personalities will likely yield, mm -hmm. you know, yield a better outcome. But, you know, if you're trying to optimize though kind of personal uh, achievement and success, mm -hmm. then you know there's an argument to say, well, you know, maybe the alpha group will we'll kind of better. motivate each other, will do better. Well, but so it's, I think it's important to acknowledge the trade-offs, but and then make explicit choices about what are you trying to optimize for yeah. in a in a society in a in a community. No, I I don't want to put a negative sign. 
to effort and competition. Yeah. I really believe that the school system has to make you get to your better you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and effort is a very important part of life. Yeah, of course. And yeah. it, it is not that the complementarity and diversity should is a substitute for effort. Yeah. I think that is very important that people strive and make an effort. But I am convinced that if you have the effort part and and you yeah. try to be your best, yeah. and at the same time you can behave and perform in di diverse multicultural yeah. groups, you will do better. I, I look again. I think I think on on uh, on the issue. I I agree with you. I, I think what, what what I'm trying to highlight is is I, mm -hmm. I, I think sometimes we, there are trade-offs. There are trade-offs, and I, and I don't think we should be we should be afraid of of talking about of them. talking about them and and being explicit about them and saying, well, you know what, on balance, you know, I would rather sacrifice, you know, some uh, uh, you know individual level of attainment mm -hmm. because I'm going to get a better outcome for uh, for the group. And that's okay. It's okay to have that discussion and have that debate, uh, so long as we make our, you know, our assumptions and our objectives explicit. There's a, a very, very simple example and debate that I used to have with, uh, with, with colleagues back in in, uh, in in Singapore when I was part of a, a graduate school of public policy as a vice dean there. Uh, it was over the question of group uh, group based learning project-based uh, assessment. And the pushback would always come from, shall we say, more traditional uh, uh, faculty members that, well, you know, there's no way to address the free rider problem. I'm not really going to be able to evaluate your contribution, Rebecca, mm -hmm. if you're part of a group, because I don't really That's know how idea. much you have contributed versus mm -hmm. your other group members. And, and my pushback was always, well, you know what? Yes, there will be a free rider problem. That's just a fact of, of life. There are free riders in society and, and uh, all, all around us. And that's a fact of life. So from my point of view, the benefits of being able to, to operate in a group, learning how to deal with free riders, mm -hmm. <laughs> how to address that issue, is much more valuable than the the very narrow question of you know when i if i'm giving you an a am i really giving it you an a because you've deserved it as an individual or because you happen to be in a in a good group and and that that sort of carried you you know for for me it's 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 okay to acknowledge mm -hmm. that that the concerns are legitimate yes there's a free rider but that concern is outweighed by by the benefits of 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 group based learning, a I, simple I, example. Yeah, I will agree with you completely. Let me say I I've been in very big organizations and I have had to intervene in recruitment for large numbers of people. Yeah. And I can tell you that I will always value the drive of a person, but at the same time I will not hire a person that I think doesn't have the emotional intelligence to be a good citizen in the group. 
<laughs> collaborate with others. To because work with others. Yeah. I've seen this yeah. disruptive behavior yeah. that is really so bad for productivity, efficacy, efficiency, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And so, and maybe there are certain posts in which you can have people alone. Yeah. You know, and maybe they cannot really uh, behave in large groups, yeah. but they are so distinctive. But this is a minority. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> that's I, my point. I'm with you. There yeah. is there is a space yeah. for 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 that group too. Yeah. But it's a minority of yeah. the employment that they will be created yeah. or that will be needed. I think that the, you will need uh, emotional intelligence capacity. Yeah. To, to, you know, to do the best yeah. of reality, yeah. you know, and without it, I think that it's very difficult to go through life. You know? I, I, again, I, I no, no, on, I, I agree with you. I completely agree. agree. I, I think what I the, the point that I was trying to make is is that very often when I, you know, when I have these discussions with educators mm -hmm. or with with policymakers, it's it's um, or black or white. Yeah, it's <laughs> yes. either black or white, or yeah. or they're, they're trying to basically say, well, actually, yeah. you know what. You know, you, there's not a there's no trade-off, which which I think is 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 intellectually not not honest, mm -hmm. and I think we need to sort I, of acknowledge the trade-offs and say, well, you know what, we're making a choice here, mm -hmm. and and here's why we believe that this is the right right choice to make. I completely agree yeah. with you. No, and and I have mm -hmm. my the personal experience on that because I have a son that they have has an uh, intelle uh, intellectual deficit. And uh, I have gone in my life yeah. through the school system, yeah. you know, uh, convincing parents, convincing yeah. teachers, yeah. you know, uh, of the value of he being in the class. Yeah. Not only the value for him, but, for but the value absolutely. for him being yeah. in the class. Yeah. And the value for him, everybody understands. The yeah. value for the class... Not immediately obvious no, yeah, no, to people. Not, not yeah. at all. Yeah. And uh, still we made the, the efforts also from the family, you know, yeah. so uh, he won't be, quote-unquote, perceived as a burden mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, for yeah. the rest of the class. And until today, he's already an adult and a very successful um, person. Uh, and uh, up to today, yeah. uh, he's, he keeps the relations with his classmates. That's wonderful. And he has That's become great. such a positive energy yeah. for them because he made the effort. He went through so much difficulties that they saw. And if he was able yeah. to get you know, to the task, how could they not take advantage of the opportunities of the school and uh, of learning yeah, that absolutely. they were given. And they, I, I really believe that it was a win-win situation. But it's true that it was not an easy ride. Yeah. Yes, and that uh, you have to understand the concerns of the other parents and yeah. engage. And engage and, and address them. And, and yes. Uh, in, in a sense, again, and again, on the, on the substance, I... You know, I, I find myself I, in complete agreement mm -hmm. that, you know, any kind of exposure to diverse uh, individuals, any uh, opportunity to empathize mm -hmm. 
uh, with 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 others is 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 a tremendous learning learning opportunity and one that's incredibly valuable uh, in life. Um, so I I, I want to end Rebecca because I, I know we're coming up to 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 our time here by by asking you the question I ask all uh, interviewees, which is there's one area of knowledge or one skill that that you feel everybody should absolutely have uh, a good understanding of, if not mastery of. What what would that be? Reading. Reading. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> Hard to argue with reading. Yeah. And as, as I say... But maybe yeah. elaborate a little bit more. Why, why reading? Well, because it yeah. gives you the ability to learn yeah. by yourself yeah. in everything you do and to understand yeah. uh, and analyze yeah. farther than only the class you were teaching. Yeah. You know, uh, it's an ability to, uh, uh, that can drive you if you want to make the effort alone and yeah. you don't depend necessarily on the others, yeah? Um, to, to be able to understand things that you haven't learned. Yeah. And uh, in the world of today, if I'm not mistaken by this number, only 30% of what you will need to know will come from your formal education. Yeah. The rest, you will have in a way to learn yeah. with others yeah. and by yourself. And if you don't understand what is written, if you cannot analyze and if you are not proficient in reading, yeah. so it will be very difficult to yeah. go through that journey. No, I, 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 I mean, again, I'm, I find myself in, in agreement. I would, you know, I would, I would go a little bit further in terms of, of reading and saying focus in particular, I think, on, um, on, on to a certain extent on, on literature, because I think mm. stories are incredibly powerful. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, through books, through stories, we, you know, it's a good way to put yourself in the position of another person, in in a in a much deeper way than than even conversing, because you can really get into the inside the head of someone. Yeah. And that's not something that you can do very easily through a good book. You can do that. You can travel in time using a book by uh, experiencing what people went through at a particular points mm -hmm. in in history. So I I mean I I think it's incredibly powerful. Yeah. Probably you, I, I completely agree. Uh, probably I, we will put like a package of storytelling, yeah. uh, you know, uh, engaging in conversation, yeah. reading, literature. Yeah. That is part of precisely what you, yeah. you have said. Rebecca Greenspan, thank you for being on Wise Words and, and sharing your thoughts with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. This, this has been fun. Thank you.